Previously on the Adventure Zone. You hear music coming from Minerva. It's it's like a sad and beautiful like acoustic blues tune. You see a black imperial crown coupe wrapped around a tree. In the driver's seat is your accomplice. And, and I then pack, fill my pockets and then I got to run into the woods. I think you are surprised when you cut clean through the pole. Whoops. And it falls over into the store. The counterweight and the tram uh, and and your car kind of tied up in this cable uh, are very, very slowly, slowly skidding to a halt. Beacon has now coiled its way around the goat's throat. Y'all don't know me. Listen, I, 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 I would not just kill your friend lying here unarmed to the ground like this. But I most definitely would. We should start with like a refresher because it's been it's been a Gregorian calendar year since we've <laughs> played this game. In this in this one, you hunt uh, big monsters uh, or sometimes Ooh, scary. Sort of, scary. Yeah, sometimes it is a little scary. I'm gonna go ahead and give this one PG thirteen. Um, Griffin, and, have we revealed yet that we're the real monsters? Like, yeah, um, I think if if you've been paying attention to like the subtext of the podcast, we have the Walking Dead is actually maybe even us. If you can oh, believe it, yeah. Nice. Well, I don't need it because I've taken copious notes, but I'm sure okay, the, other, you, the other two, lead, the other two yeah. might need it. Why don't you lead us then, Dad, in prayer? Um, dear Lord, please bless us with recognition, with with cognitive abilities to remember all of the many wonderful things that have happened, and thank you for the blessings right, he of okay. podcasts. He, 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 no he has no idea. Yeah. Um, one out of his old ass. Amen. So basically, things have been happening that are mm. bad. <laughs> bad things have happened that are bad, uh, like accidents. Uh, you had uh, Danimal's wreck uh, because of the Gatorade bottle. You had the Pizza Hut sign falling into the building, and now you had the uh, funicular tram. Uh, some something went wrong with its. Uh, with its brake mechanism, and it fell and was uh, only prevented from wrecking the base station and the people inside of it because of uh, Ned and Aubrey and the, the brave sacrifice of the Lincoln Continental. Um, so that has sort of been the main threat. Uh, there, it, it's kind of followed a pattern where there have there's been a, a sudden storm, and uh, as it passes, that is when things start to go wrong. You have also seen now uh, these hooded uh, figures that now you know to be these goat men that kind of resemble uh, some of the creatures, including Vincent, that you have seen over in Sylvain. Uh, and Duck, you were in the middle of a sort of standoff where you had one of them uh, taken captive with Beacon wrapped around its throat uh, with yes. with two more sort of uh, facing you down. Um, 
what other sort of stuff has been uh, Aubrey has kind of had some issues with her her magic and her not really understanding how to make it uh, work reliably I guess I would I say that she has some reluctance due to safety and danger and, and sure. you know concern I, I think I think it's great that Travis's roles in the adventure zone have been such that should he actually roll uh, unfavorably, he has to create a narrative reason mm-hmm. why that is this happening. Certainly, this is not within the bounds of reality. Yeah, certainly, there's a narrative reason why the, my roles are bad. The dice tell the story. You know, I'm <laughs> the just, dice are telling the story. I'm a humble messenger, but the dice <laughs> truly pin the tail on the donkey. Um. <laughs> Let's see. Is there is there any other? We also had Ned sort of realizing that uh, it was Aubrey's house that he robbed, and that was sort of a that was sort of a, a fateful uh, event in this campaign. Uh, it was the last robbery that he and his partner had before uh, they they had their wreck that left the partner behind. And um, Duck, you had let's see a vision, a pretty bad vision of a, a meteor falling uh, planet side uh, yeah. back back in the first episode. Uh, any anything else that we need? You met the Mothman. That was cool. Duck has a sister. Duck has a sister. He also saved Juno um, from from the funicular falling. Uh, oh, the uh, the these these goat men had the um, the tools from Danimal's car, the 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 one that wrecked. So uh, they they took what what seemed like his arborist tools uh, from from the vehicle after it crashed. I think that's it. I think we might be belaboring uh now uh y'all ready to hop back in now that yeah. we have sort of some groundwork okay uh i mean let's pick things up with with duck that is the, sort of the most pressing thing that i'm curious how it is going to resolve you have this one uh goat man held captive you have the sword to its throat or rather i guess around its throat which is sort of a unique way to put a sword to something's throat and you have these two goat men that you are facing off against one with these uh long shears and one with uh, a big shovel uh and as you and Beacon say this badass shit, uh, the two goatmen facing you down don't really, they really take a, a, a beat here. It's, it's, they, they don't know how to respond. They don't look scared as much as they look, they look confused. Uh, they look like the possibility of one of them being in danger actually never even occurred to them. Uh, and I think they have a beat here where they are just kind of stopped still in their tracks and uh, just sort of stare at you waiting for waiting for your next move. Uh, what do you do? Uh, I want to try to talk to him. Uh, okay. And it sounds a little, <laughs> that's a weird intro. I should always do that before I start talking. <laughs> now and, now my char- <laughs> and now my character speaks. <laughs> Listen, y'all. I'm gonna be honest with you. He he's got a mind of his own, and this I'm not playing good cop, bad cop. You better start talking so I can call this a whole thing off. Because he will decapitate your friend. He, Doc Newton tells the truth. Nothing would please me more. Please discuss. This is great because Justin's been recording the shit out of the Sawbones audiobook, and so Doug Noon's voice has changed and become a lot yeah, deeper. He's down, he's down here because this is all I have left. <laughs> uh, yeah, the people on the tour we're about to go on are just going to get sort of tatters. Tatters at Justin's. You know soul. when I get, well, I got one of those Hollywood doctors to give me the <laughs> shots of the good stuff. <laughs> keep, keep the glitter and glamour spilling out my pores for the ticket buyers, of course. 
Uh, these two goat men that you're facing off with, uh, they look at each other, and the one holding the shovel kind of blinks and then says, <laughs> and you immediately realize that they do not speak your 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 common human tongue. Uh, they they really have no way of uh, of of speaking to you. You don't even know if they understood what you just said. They obviously understood that their uh, their uh, compatriot here is in danger, but that's about the long and short of it. Um, I guess my question for you is like, what are you hoping to accomplish with this hostage situation? So here here is the questions for me as a player. One, I am obviously outnumbered and in a great deal of danger. Can I secure my safety? Second. I don't necessarily, I assume because of the structure of the show that these people have bad, the, no, these goats <laughs> have bad intent, but I, it feel, but I, Duck in the world does not know that. So that is, uh, I'm trying to ascertain, I think that, is this a situation where these are hostile or, you know, or, or what's, what's the deal? That Those are the two things I'm trying to achieve. I, but follow up question, like, uh, this goat man that you have held hostage is is you know has has human characteristics and also animal characteristics. Does Duck feel an actual sort of reluctance to commit violence to this thing? Obviously, the big uh, you know Omni Bear that you guys fought in the woods and the water ghost that you fought like you didn't necessarily have that that element of 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 you know um, personification I guess for lack of a better term yeah well and I think also this is a situation where he has managed to get the upper hand okay. and duck is not the sort of dude who's just gonna like decapitate an unarmed creature <laughs> that he has pounced upon with nary a word spoken one way or the other I mean he is like even if it was just an animal and not a personified animal like it didn't attack him yet. Like, it may be responsible for some bad stuff, but he's not going to, like, decapitate the thing sure. just because okay. he has the opportunity to. He may come to regret that, but that is where he is coming from. Let's do this, then. Uh, I think this is probably going to be a manipulate someone. I think that's how we codify this, and it's how we move the the plot forward. You you want them to do something. You have something that uh, you have leverage, which is this this captive. Um, so I, I think just to firm this up and to move forward, you tell them what you want them to do uh, and you roll plus charm and uh, you, you give them a reason, which I think your reason here is just, or I'll kill your friend yeah, or and not I, and friend, I, but you know, fellow. And I'm fellow definitely gunman. using some like hand motions to try to indicate like basically just weapons down, like, okay. calm, you know what I mean? Like calming, like I would probably with an animal at, at in, you know, in as effective as that is, I have no idea. Uh, roll two D six. Uh, oh no, it's a four. <laughs> it's a four, isn't it? Oh, oh no. buddy. Oh, pal. Oh no. Oh, bad. Uh, okay, I'm gonna take a hard move here. Um, they, I think they get one over on you. The the one with the shovel sort of just starts taking a step back. It's holding on to its its shovel. Uh, it, it actually grips a little bit tighter to its shovel because it it doesn't want to lose this this tool uh the one with the shears starts to put it down and then uh i think it's its legs just sort of uh compress and then spring forward at you just so just so blinding fast uh and closes the gap between the two of you and i think before you or b can have the chance to react uh the shears go 
through the goat man that you are holding hostage, right through its shoulder uh, and into your shoulder. Uh, oh man, that's my shoulder. You oh, have no. uh, you take three harm as uh, as this uh, shear goes goes into you, uh, and it pulls it back. And uh, the the goat man that you are holding captive uh, falls falls to the ground and is bleeding and bleeding. Hey, all right, hey, all right. Uh, nice. Uh, just just bleeding up a storm. And in this moment, like you are looking at this this goat man that you're holding hostage, or you were just um, moments ago. I think at this point, Beacon is now uh, off this thing and. Uh, the, the two of you are just kind of on the ground. Uh, and the other two goatmen have been kind of emotionless, right? Kind of kind of um, uh, robotic, although they are not robots. Uh, almost like confused by this hostage situation and the, the emotions that you were trying to conjure up. This, the one on the ground is fucking, it's terrified. Uh, it, is, it is terrified and uh, it, is, it is exhibiting a lot more emotion than, than the other two ever did. Uh, and... The one with the shears gets ready to leverage another strike uh, down at you, and then both uh, both of the standing goatmen, their ears perk up, and you see them look uh, into the into the trees behind you, uh, and you hear a car pulling up. And as it pulls up, these two remaining goatmen uh, run away, and you hear snow crunching, and uh, through the brush comes Barclay, uh, and he's he's holding his car keys. He has a uh, a, a baseball bat in hand, and he surveys the situation. He says, "Uh, okay, so it's Goatman this time." Yeah, apparently it's uh, Goatman. <laughs> he uh, he helps you up to your feet, uh, and ah. yeah, he uh, he uh, has a jacket on that he takes off and uh, presses to uh, the the wound in your shoulder. Uh, obviously, it's not as as bad as it would have been for uh, a normal person because you absorb two of the harm with your sort of chosen armor. Uh, but he says, uh, "All right, let's uh, let's get back to the lodge." Did you uh, did something happen? Did I did I did I miss something? Was there another sort of big accident? Yeah, the. Uh... What do you call it? Gondola, sky gondola, <laughs> had a crash. Yeah, we need to get you back to uh, back to the lodge and and sew up that shoulder. I <laughs> I'll be okay. Listen, can you get in there and check on everybody? I'll 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 be all right. I'll I'll wait in the car. I mean, I will, but I think we have a bit more of a pressing issue. And he looks down at the ground where there is still the injured goat man, just kind of writhing. His bleeding is getting a little bit quieter. Uh, it seems like his his consciousness is starting to wane, and he says. I don't really know what to do in this situation. Hey, you don't speak goat? (laughs) No, I don't fucking speak goat. Why would I speak goat? That was racist, wasn't it? A little bit, kind of. Yeah. I just assumed he seemed like a Sylvain kind of... Barclay says, yeah, he does kind of look like a Sylvain thing, but he's he's definitely not. Wait, wait, seriously? I mean... He would be able to speak if he. I, I. I. don't know. I don't know what this thing is, Duck. Uh, and and the the goat man on the ground is now looking up at the two of you, and uh, its breathing is slowing. You actually see like tears in its eyes. This this being is is looking up at you as the two of you are are speaking. I think it's stopped sort of crying out at this point, uh, and it's just kind of quietly looking up at you. All right, listen, we got to get this thing back to the lodge. Or this person. Oh, 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 I know, I know, I know, but look at it, man. It's going to die if we don't do something. Hell, we got veterinary equipment down there. We get Somebody will, will be able to at least take a look, see if we can do something. Can't just let the poor thing die. For all I know, there's three of them on Earth. That's not how I do it. 
he uh, he kind of laughs nervously and he goes, "We can't tell Mama about this, okay?" Yeah, man, it wasn't high on my list, bud. I I just want to help the thing if we can. It's kind of my fault, mainly Beacons. Doc Newton, I will persist when you are dust. Do not take a moment to question. And he rolled him back up and put him on his list. <laughs> okay, uh, Barclay helps you uh, pick this uh, this goat man up. Uh, I think as you get it off the ground, it sort of bleats in protest for a bit. I think it, its shoulder hurts quite a bit as you lift it up. Uh, and uh, the two of you managed to get it. it it's actually a, uh, a truck that he is driving. It's, a, it's Mama's truck. And uh, Barclay helps you put him in the truck bed and then kind of looks around and realizes like, oh, shit, we don't want anybody to see this and has a tarp back there that he, uh, he covers the, the uh, goat man up with. And the three of you head back to the lodge. Uh, let's let's also resolve uh, Aubrey and Ned. You all have just jumped out of a moving vehicle. Uh, Ned, you have just seen your uh, automobile be destroyed uh, as it sort of gets tangled up in the cable and counterweight and car. Uh, I think all of those things just kind of turned into a big, big ball and stopped uh, just, just before running into the base station. Uh, and you all, I think, also came to a stop about 30 feet from the base station. You're, you're pretty close now. And you can actually see the engineer in there uh mark i think is what we named him last time uh he is uh he's listening to some music on some headphones and he has his back to this like obviously wild chaotic scene and just has no idea what happened behind him what do you do we weren't injured when we jumped out were we uh no i think that uh the the way we kind of justified it is the sacrifice was the car uh, and i wasn't going to make you all sort of you know break all of the bones in your body i think you landed in a in in you know there was some thick snow in here so you you landed in that and we're we're pretty pretty much okay but at this point like it's is the situation done yeah situation's done there uh there is no more harm posed to the uh, no more threat rather posed to the uh to the base station so the car's not salvageable would you say it's totaled yeah ned i'm gonna say it's totaled i hope you have insurance yeah, oh, Ned. Oh no. Okay, I'll tell you what. Let me let me get a few things out of the trunk, and then I guess we have to trudge back up the hill. I mean, I can call a lift. No, wait. There's no <laughs> cell service. Fuck. <laughs> nice. Got you again. All right. So Ned goes and gets the Wookie costume out of the trunk. It's 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 unharmed. Sure. I I, I love this sort of um unofficial like bag of holding that Ned always has on him where he just always has either one of the objects that we've sort of established that Ned had in, in character creation or from Heathcliff or just that you fucking stole from some my, celebrity at some point. So I imagine there's trunk quite of a few holding. things. Yeah. Your trunk of holding. I imagine there's quite a few things. Um, as you are sort of rooting around in the trunk, which by the way, it's probably pretty hard to get to uh, because it's not much of a trunk anymore as much as it is like a, you know, a can of Dr. Pepper that a, uh, you know, a horse stepped on. God, that's fucking beautiful metaphor. Jesus Christ, I'm good at this. Holy what shit. Talent. What you guys talent. are so fucking lucky that you get to play this fucking game you're, with you're me. You're like a wordsmith. You're Once a wordsmith. fucking generation. Yeah. Damn. Uh, as you're rooting through the uh, the 
engineer is alerted uh, to the police sirens that are uh, actually going off uh, as these uh, uh, two sheriff station vehicles pull up in front of the base station and you see uh, two figures run inside. You see Sheriff Zeke and you see uh, Deputy Dewey uh, sprint into the station and uh, start checking the area. And uh, I think that they see you and... Zeke looks kind of surprised to see you, especially Ned. I think he doesn't, I think he notices you, Aubrey, but when he sees Ned, he's like, oh, fuck. Uh, and uh, the engineer walks over to the train car cable counterweight situation uh, and starts looking around uh, and says, uh, he says, hey, uh, are you uh, are you two okay? You weren't in the train, were you? No, 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 no. Oh, gosh, no. We, uh, we avoided that. Uh, it was a close call, but... Uh no, not on the train. Not on the train. We were, we were in the car. Um, it's a terrible, terrible tragedy. Awful. It, it, it's a one of a kind. A collector's item. If you know anybody who buys scrap metal, I, uh, I'm, I'm. They could give me a call. Just he's. I, I think as you are speaking about, uh, for some reason, in the moment of him discovering that uh, the train has been destroyed, uh, asking him about sort of secondhand scrap metal retailers, he is uh, he is sort of now focused entirely on the train, and he says, "Oh shit." And he runs back to the base station, and you see him pick up his radio and try to contact the engineer back at the top. Um, but then he puts the radio down and kind of looks at it and like slaps it against his palm. Uh, and his, his radio has stopped working. Uh, and then he shakes it a little bit and you see some brown liquid come out of it. And then you see him kind of realize that the, uh, the uh, coffee he was drinking earlier spilled onto the radio, uh, which, which kept it from working. And he uh, just starts, I think, walking up the hill just to make sure that everybody at the top station is, is okay. Um, and with that, Sheriff Zeke walks over to the two of you and says, all right, so this uh, it seems like it's starting to become a bit of a uh, a habit with y'all, huh? Being right in the middle of the mess of things lately, huh? Total accident, Sheriff. I uh, was trying to uh, drive down the hill to warn Mark because we saw the funiculi funicula out of control, and so I was trying to drive down uh, the hill. New chains. <laughs> so I thought, yeah, we'll just drive down, warn Mark. He'll be okay, and just the the car uh, that weren't as good at change as I thought and just drifted right into the path of the train. Terrible, terrible accident. Thank God no one was hurt uh, in the, in this. Sheriff Zeke looks over at you, Aubrey, and sees you being kind of quiet. He says, uh, are you are you okay, miss? Uh, yeah. Uh, like, like you said, you know, just uh, right place, right time, wrong place, wrong time. However it can't be both wanna... at this. It can't be both at once. Well, I mean, we did kind of save Mark, but also kind of wreck the car. So, you know, I would call it a win, but anywho, we should get going. Yes, uh, we've got a thing. Oh, right. Yeah, that thing. Yeah, 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 that yeah. That thing, Aubrey. Y- y'all, this, this funicular's been serving this town for a few decades now, and... There's been an accident, and and I still don't know what's going on at the top station. I don't know if anybody else has been hurt. And as far as I can see, Ned, your car crashed into a train, and all of it got wrecked. So I, I well, hold, <laughs> y'all, uh, hold on. Talk to the the guy at the top of the hill, and he'll tell you like the the cable broke long before our car got in the way. We saved Mark, like we saved the station. You're welcome. We're sort of heroes. 
He uh, he looks a, a bit caught off guard. He says, that don't change the fact now we're two days in a row. Something's gone wrong in Kepler, and y'all have been at the scene. And yeah, but you're here too, so... Maybe. I'm a fucking sheriff. This is how it works. I'm always there when bad things happen. <laughs> a likely story. Listen, I'm not. I'm not. Y'all aren't under arrest or anything. But okay, bye. Uh, uh, but Ned, would you mind just coming down to the sheriff's station with me? Just, just answer some questions. I just, there. I, I need to know something. Okay. Okay, Ned. Uh, seems like you've whoa, got this. Whoa. Yeah. So uh, I have to. Uh, go. I've got that thing. Like the we thing. Said. The thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'll I'll go with you, Sheriff, and uh, Aubrey. You go do the thing and make sure uh-huh. that the thing is okay with the thing. Sounds great. Do either of you know what he's talking about? No, I don't even know what I'm talking about. Fantastic. Duck, you and, and Barclay have managed to get this goat man back to the uh, base. Uh, the the base. The base. That sounds the very ba- militaristic. I love it. <laughs> back to uh, back to Amnesty Lodge. Back to the uh, the the Pine Guard headquarters underneath in the cellar. Uh, uh, Barclay hops out of the truck as you all get there and sort of gives you like a hold on signal and then runs inside and comes out and he says. All right, uh, Mama's not here. I, I think she's out running running errands or something. But we're we're in the clear, and uh, he helps you get the goat man inside uh, and up on the. I don't actually know what your sort of veterinary infirmary situation looks like. Can you sort of um, can you describe like is this something that Duck knows how to do or what 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 are you sort of envisioning this scene looking like? Duck is probably probably first aid. I would think as as far as like what he can do that seems to me to be logical like he he's not a serious you know uh uh he's not a, a animal physician but I think he probably is aware of um you know the basics uh so what we're talking about in this area I think you can imagine a metal table in the uh middle of the room and then some like uh, like formica counters, uh, sort of surrounding it with wood cabinets above, sort of cheap wood cabinets uh, that are filled with all manner of you know uh, tinctures and medications. Tinctures sounds fake. Medications, <laughs> salves and uh, salves and po- yeah, po- some yeah. ointments, liniments, unguents, some potions, some unguents. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm uniquely positioned to keep continue to crank out synonyms here after recording the Sawbones <laughs> audiobook, so I probably want to stop this game right here. Uh, but and and that is uh, there's also a scale in the corner of the room, uh, and that is sort of what we're uh, what we're looking at here. Okay. Um. So first off, as you all come in, uh, Thacker, who you've you've seen down here in sort of the little kitchen dungeon area uh, that Mama set up, uh, every time that you all have been down here, Thacker has just basically been uh, a comatose, just sort of uh, sort of lost in 
whatever sort of state that that he is in see, uh, see, seated crisscross applesauce just kind of in the the middle of the kitchen there uh and as you all come in and uh this this goat man is starting to uh shout uh, a little bit more not not uh not super loudly not shout but just sort of starting to make uh so, some animalistic noises uh Thacker actually looks up and uh, comes up to his knees and is just sort of surveying this scene quietly. Uh, you get the goat man laid out on the table, and uh, I, you've definitely seen like some cuts and bruises on on the on the trails and uh, from from people sort of uh, hiking the the Appalachian Trail and sort of getting some grisly wounds along the way. You know that miraculously, or perhaps not miraculously, like you don't really know what the physiology of this thing is. Uh, the, they they don't seem to have hit like a, an artery or anything like that. This thing is obviously uh, very very injured with a wound that goes you know clean through, but there's not like a ton of blood. Uh, so you get the impression that you know maybe you can just seal this thing up and you know give it some antibiotics or something. Um, I don't want to sort of tell you how this how this scene works, but you get the idea that like you this is this is maybe a little bit above your pay grade, but you could take a shot at it uh, treating this thing. And you have Barclay also helping you out. I think Barclay is actually helping hold this thing down uh, because every time you get close to this wound, it it gets it gets super scared again. It gets very very scared. Okay, uh, so there's a wound right here uh i forget what you think clean it definitely want to clean it with alcohol first i remember that yes alcohol clean with alcohol first so i go and get the, the bottle of alcohol off the shelf okay uh, i get a clean rag and i you don't really think of clean rags do you <laughs> i get a clean <laughs> t- hand towel dump some alcohol on it and i say uh sorry and then i pour some alcohol onto the the wound I'm trying to think of the best way to do this. I want you to maybe act under pressure and we can let it ride for like this whole process. This is like <laughs> duck performing surgery role. Um, and we will, we'll see how it goes. That's plus cool. All right. All right. Se- seven. That's more like it. Now we're cooking with dice. Uh, uh, seven plus, plus cooking cool. with dice. Nine. <laughs> uh, nine. Okay. So uh, on a mixed success. The keeper is going to give you a worse outcome, hard choice, or price to pay. Um, I think the price to pay is the goat man just screams, just screams. As soon as the alcohol touches the wound, he he screams uh, and looks looks terrified. Has like it's like he's never felt pain before, and this is a very bad pain. And uh, he he screams, and then uh, I, I think faints. And is is now just completely unconscious, which is going to help things. But as uh, as he screams uh, above you, because this is the cellar beneath the Amnesty Lodge, you hear a chair scoot back. You hear that like noise, and then you hear uh, footsteps sort of rushing toward the front door. And Barclay looks up at you, uh, and his his eyes get wide, and he says, uh, "I I got this. I guess keep sewing him up." Barclay almost looks like he's like. Uh, you know how, like, when you get in a really bad situation that you're completely out of your depth, it can be almost, like, funny? Like, you almost are yeah. like, this is this sucks so bad. Uh, I think he's kind of in that state. He's like, oh, good. Uh, somebody's coming down to, to check on the, the, the monster we kidnapped. Uh, he, uh, he, he races up the cellar stairs and shuts the door behind him. Uh, and you actually hear him talking to Agent Stern 
uh, just just outside of the uh, cellar. Uh, what else do you do? Uh, all right, so we we gotta uh, let me get the suture kit uh, out here. I'm really, oh man. Now I am curious how much of this is Duck not knowing what to do, and how much is Justin not knowing what to do. I mean, I'm I'm trying. It's a little bit. Of, it's you know I, br- I try to bring a little bit of myself to every character I play. Trav. <laughs> uh, all right. I don't know why. I don't know why Duck Newton would have more surgical experience than Justin McElroy. Right. So I'm totally fine with this. How this is playing out. Listen, uh, I'm gonna be. Here's the one thing I will say to you. I don't know. Um, the one thing I don't know is anesthep- uh, like anesthesia. I wouldn't begin to to know how much to dose you for that. So this is gonna hurt a lot, man. I'm really, uh, I'm really sorry. I do you want to bite down on something or uh, the right, goat is un- it's is unconscious. It's unconscious. All right. Well, at least there's that. Uh, all right. So uh, I need the needle driver and the the forceps and scissors and a needle. And <laughs> Somebody's Google and a, a phone um, with Google on it. This is what it said. This is what it says on the inside of the suture kit. I'm reading the inside uh, okay. of the suture kit. Okay. Uh, I don't, these we, are, we these didn't, are the things that are in there. Sure. Let's not for some of our more squeamish listeners. Let's not do an in depth, uh, you know, nasty suture this? scene. I sew him up. And okay. I, I yeah, Duck has probably sewed things before. Yeah. Uh, so he he is competent at least at that. Um and then he knows to like put some antiseptic on it, cover it with yeah. clean bandages, et cetera, et cetera. But, well let's let's hop into like in the middle in the middle of this process. I'm not we're gonna let that nine roll in the price to pays that Barclay was sort of peeled off. Uh while you were in the middle of this process, it is uh it's it's starting to get a little bit later in the day. As you are in the middle of sewing, uh, I think you are startled as you hear from behind you, Duck Newton, are you prepared for to Duck Newton? <laughs> what is the meaning of this? And behind you uh, appears Minerva. Minerva, your timing sucks. Um, I, I this goat person, man, whatever was I got hurt, and I'm just trying to. Uh, keep it together long enough to save its life. You don't know anything about sutures, do you? I don't even know if you have flesh. I just come to think of it, right? You're like a ghost. I'm not a ghost, Dr. Newton. I have flesh. Is this creature you're tending to a foe? Uh, you know, I don't know. I think so. I, I, my gut tells me that this this guy and his buddies are, are what been responsible for some of the bad stuff that's been going down lately. I, I can't say for sure, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I beacon almost cut his head off and like, I felt like shit about it, honestly. And he was hurt and I was just trying to fix him up. I don't know. I, for, um, for information, you know, we could grill him or something. She shakes her head and she says, Beacon tried to do what Beacon is supposed to do, what you're supposed to do. Doug Newton, dispatch this beast at once. It's vulnerable to you. Strike true. Drive your Beacon into its heart. Uh, listen, I was about to say let's put it to a vote, but uh, yes, let's see how the... No, we're not doing that. I'm not going to kill an unarmed, unconscious creature... In cold blood. I'm not going to do it. Especially when I don't know what his intent is. She shakes her head and looks down for a minute. And 
we've talked about how like you always see her in silhouette so it's really hard to actually kind of read her um but she is she is furious you can tell just from her like her body language and she says your job is not to befriend your foe duck newton it is to vanquish them it is to leave them no quarter no hope to which to cling your calling is to paint your besieged homeland in the blood of those who would see your world destroyed now strike duck newton you listen to me. I'm going to save this weird goat and then I'm going to try to teach it English or some shit and I can figure out what's going on here. If you continue to push me to kill this thing, I will walk away from all of this. And if you need evidence that I am not kidding with you, look at the past fucking 20 years, Minerva. I'm going to do this on my own terms. Now, unless you can hold a thread... I would ask that you leave me the fuck alone and let me so. She freezes and she puts a, a hand to her for, forehead um, and, and you can see her silhouette start to tremble a little bit and she says, I, I, and then she disappears. And you finish your operation, and the Goatman stabilizes. He's still uh, unconscious. Uh, he is, uh, and again, this is probably something you've seen on the trail, maybe with some of the uh, gnarlier sort of injuries that have come through the uh, the uh, yeah. ranger station. Uh, he's in shock, um, and uh, he is he is alive and uh, not not bleeding anymore. Uh, and you can actually tell you actually did pretty good uh, uh, stitches here, um, and. Uh, he is laid out to rest, and you. I, I, it's a couple hours later, and you're keeping an eye on him. And something happens that hasn't really happened before, which is twice in the same night, Minerva comes back. Usually, she just comes back at that same appointed time that she always comes back, and uh, now she is making a second appearance. And as she shows up, as you sort of see her uh, appear, she is she is standing still, uh, and you hear that blues music that you heard so many months ago uh, when she tried to appear to you, and you you saw her sort of frozen in place, um, and. You can't hear her, uh, and you get the impression she can't hear you, and she just, she becomes unfrozen and sort of holds up a finger, sort of telling you to wait, and eventually that music fades, and she speaks, and she says, I owe you an apology, Duck Newton. I, I was trained in my order's temple for nearly a century, but it seems that you just, you can't train temperance, can you? Listen, I'm sorry that I kind of snapped at you. I was under a lot of pressure, and I've never had to sew up, well, neither a goat nor man to say nothing of a goat man. So it was pretty intense. <laughs> yes, I I hope you don't think less of me, Duck Newton. Um, tra- training a champion remotely like this, it requires, the, it requires absolute trust. And if that trust was harmed, Duck Newton... It would make me a less effective tutor to you. Nah, we're fine. Uh, just try to remember next time. I mean, I don't know a lot about uh, sword fighting and, uh, you know, flips and kicks and stuff. But 
I, I spent my whole life trying to figure out how I, I think about stuff. And in the woods, you get a lot of time to sort of go back and forth on that kind of thing. And I know where I stand, Minerva. I know where I stand. She sits down, which you've never seen. Um, you see her, her pull something, actually. Uh, she, she walks away from you, and then you see her sort of miming, almost. Like she's pulling a chair over, and she sits down, and... She takes her her hand and is kind of rubbing it over her uh, bald head, and she looks at you and she says, "I think that that will serve you better than any training I could ever give you, uh, Duck Newton." Um, my, <sighs> there are things I haven't told you, Duck Newton, because if I told you them, they would damage the trust that we have—that trust that is imperative to this this process. My rage towards your world's assailants, Duck. It is born of my own world's destruction. Mm. My, my home, Duck, my, my planet, Mira Laviniac's Orbital Body 5. Or 5, for, for short. It's a bit of a mouthful. It was... It too was connected to another place, far flung from our own world. Like your world, ours became tethered, and the beings that poured through that fissure, Duck, we lost and we kept losing, and that is why my passion manifests as fury, Duck. I know your toil, and it makes me tired, she says. And I, I want to drive home. You have never seen anything like this from, uh, from yeah. Minerva. She is always sort of this um, larger-than-life, always bombastic sort of uh, ch- warrior champion, um, and this is not... This is not that. I'm, uh, damn, Minnie. I'm, I'm really sorry about your world and everything. That's, that's tough. She uh, puts up a hand and stands up, and she says, "Please, uh, just forget about this conversation, Duck Newton. You need further training, and my lessons will not be as effective without your complete trust." She, uh, she looks around and she says, "My time is almost up. Uh, your visions, Duck." Are you still having your visions? Yeah, um, they're kind of back and forth on whether or not they're helpful or not, but I'm still getting them. And your latest vision? Uh, yeah, it was a real barn burner. (laughs) Honestly, a meteor uh, destroying everything. It It was pretty intense. She takes a step back and she says, Are you abs... And then she vanishes. Uh, Okay, Ned, you are in the uh, sheriff's office. You're not in like a, a, a cell or anything like that. I think you're just sort of in a, uh, a holding room. There is a table and, um, Deputy Dewey has, has come in a couple times just to make sure that you need anything. You need anything? Do you need you know uh, some coffee or a, a diet coke or those are really your two options? I guess water. You could you could also have uh, just sort of making sure that you're taking care of. You are not a a prisoner uh, Cro- at this time. Cronuts? Any any chance that you have cronuts? I mean, I could uh, whip you up some do- uh, some donuts. Cro- uh, cronuts. Uh, it, it's sort of like half croissant. 
half donut. And I don't mean like the left side is a croissant, the left side's donut. It's sort of a, like a donut, but we're, with layers. And never mind. That's all right. No, um, uh, I'll, I mean, I'll get on Alta Vista and find a recipe. And he, he walks out of the room, uh, off, off to Alta Vista. Uh, and a, a few moments later, Sheriff Zeke walks in and he sits down uh, across from you and he doesn't really know how to treat you. Like your last interaction with him was on the front porch of his house as you were trying to get uh, Calvin to come out and help you fight the fight the water monster. Uh, and he, uh, he sort of brushes his hair back and he says, I need you to start by telling me why you were at Leo's place when the Pizza Hut sign fell down. Uh, picking up a bazaar. I had, uh, we had ordered, I think it was, they had a, uh, a buy one, get one. They had a BOGO with two toppings and, and breadsticks. And, you know, the weather was so bad, I didn't want some other poor citizen out driving around and that crap. So, um, was, uh, driving down there to, uh, pick it up myself and just happened to notice the impending disaster and, well, being the hero that I am, I sprang into action to to uh, to help Leo and all of his friends. And um, and in the funicular, you just happened to be there also when the brakes failed. Well, we were going to go do a little snowboarding. Uh, I'm uh, my friend uh, Jake Kulai said told me there was some rad th- th- thrashing boarding going on there man so um we were heading down to uh you know hit the powder as they say because i i was so shook after the pizza hut thing i needed to get my mind off of it and it just seems like a little extreme board action was just what the doctor ordered he chuckles and he says well i got a theory you want to hear it of course I think maybe uh, business has been a little bit slower at the uh, Cryptonomica since your uh, your big Bigfoot sighting, and um, I think maybe you're trying to drum up a little bit of holiday traffic, try to make things uh, some supernatural mischief happen all around town. Maybe chalk it up to I don't know, man, the Jersey Devil or some sort of alien or something. Well, let me ask you a theoretical question: Would something like that be? You know, a misdemeanor, or would that be like a felony? Um, you know, just pranking around like that. I mean, I'm not saying I did, but I mean, if that were something, that would that would probably be a minor, something you could pay with a small fine, right? One, no. Two, that's not a denial, Ned. Well, then I'll deny it. Uh, categorically deny it. You know, I there I have other ways of promoting. You know, I have a new TV show. It's the uh, Saturday Night yeah, Dead. I, yeah, yeah, we're I having a it. Krampus festival. Did you know that? A holiday, Krampus, Krampus 2, Krampus Unleashed. I, matter of fact, if you would like to be on the show, I would love to to have you make a guest appearance. He, uh, he smiles. He says, yeah, I've seen your show, Ned. I, I like those old movies. And he... Thank, um, thank you. He pulls out a, uh, he reaches into his jacket and he pulls out a, a pack of cigarettes and he says, you, you mind? And he starts to light one up. No, um, certainly not. Um, not a lot. <laughs> he, uh, he smiles and he says, Ned, I know that you and I have, uh, we have our differences. 
about how we think this town should should run, but I know you didn't have anything to do with the the train. It's a bit curious how your car ended up tangled up, but I guess you stopped it from killing old Mark, so I guess we do owe you, I don't know, man, key to the city or something. I'll talk to the mayor, I don't know. I know that, Ned, I see every stiff that comes through this place. Do you think I, I don't know that something's wrong with this town? You're fairly new in town, Ned. You never got to meet Sheriff Neely. He served before me, taught me everything I know. He died in the woods back in 1991. Bear attack, they said. So I took over his office. It's been nearly 30 years since then, Ned, and people still wish they had him over me. And I don't blame them because there's plenty of folks in this town who know enough to be afraid. You were at the tram and you were at Leo's. I'd bet you had something to do with the H2O debacle that happened a few months back, too. All I want to know is what's going on in my town, Ned, so I can stop it. If there's anything you know, anything that can help me out, anything that sounds beyond belief, I've tried everything else. I am all ears, Ned Chicane. Sheriff, may I call you Zeke? Good. Um, you know what? I'm just going to tell you the truth. I'm just going to spill the beans. Now, that isn't such a big deal because I'm not really sure what the beans are. But I think we're on the same side. I, th- I think we're both on the side of the angels, whoever the angels are. And there's weird shit going on around here. And it sounds like it's been going on for a long, long while. And I'm hooked up with a couple of people that are, I've come to kind of care about and, and depend on. And, and they're involved in some wild, crazy (laughs) shit. And I just kind of Go along for the ride. I I don't have any answers except to tell you you're right. There's something really weird going on. And I would just as soon have you for a friend and an ally as as an opponent. So I, I'm not sure what I can tell you because I'm kind of clueless. Let's let's firm this up. Are you saying that you are you wanting to initiate Sheriff Z to the like the best of your abilities? I know that you're saying that Ned is fairly clueless, and I don't know how much of that is your understanding of what Ned knows. Because I mean, Ned went to another planet, right? Ned went to another planet. Ned has killed two abominations. Ned knows about the Pine Guard. Like Ned, Ned knows quite a bit. Are you sort of letting on? A, a, a little bit without sort of giving away the whole thing or what's I, what are you, I, what are you what are you doing with Ned right now I think to be honest with you I think Ned feels a little overwhelmed and I think you know Ned has spent all these stories basically the I mean he's gotten closer to duck and to to Aubrey uh, but you know at his very heart Ned's not a hero, and I think he's sure. he's kind of looking for any kind of support he can get. No, I don't think he wants to tell the sheriff 
everything, but I think maybe there are things about himself that maybe it's time for him to, you know, break down the facade a little bit for somebody who might be able to help him. Uh, okay. He, he says, I I need you to understand where I'm coming from, Ned. I'm, I don't believe in the bullshit that you peddle at the cryptonomica, let alone the idea that there are actual things that go bump in the night. Are you saying that there is some sort of supernatural danger here in, here in Kepler? Let me put it to you this way, Sheriff. Because I don't think I have done anything illegal lately. There's something going on here. And I guess the way I would put it to you is maybe you ought to buy a little bit of the bullshit that is the cryptonomica. Maybe you should have an open mind. And when I can tell you more, I will tell you more. When you say specifically, you should buy some bullshit from the Cryptonomica, I think he laughs uh, out loud and lets you sort of finish your thought. And then he puts out his cigarette and he says, I don't know why the fuck I'm talking to you about this, Ned Chicane. I don't, I, I, I don't know why I thought I was going to be able to get a straight answer out of you. I'll, I'll tell you what, you're not under arrest or anything, but um, why don't you uh, sit in here for a bit and uh, I got to file some paperwork and then I'll, uh, I'll come and... Uh, then we can uh, get you get you home. How's that sound, Ned? Sounds great, Zeke. And he uh, he stands up, and uh, I, I think he stands up pretty pretty fast. I think his chair actually falls over as he does so. He's kind of he's a little bit pissed off. He thinks that you've just sort of taken him for a ride for a little bit. I think he's mostly angry at himself for like allowing himself to start to sort of buy into it. Um, and I don't want to sort of take away the fact that you are, are opening up a bit to him. I think that that you have said things to him that are going to sink in, but I think in this very moment, he's thinking, I just wasted my fucking time. And he storms out of the holding room and you're sitting in this holding room for a little bit. And I think just being in a sheriff's office kind of takes you back, maybe returns your thoughts to all of the other, um, corrective of institutions you have uh, been been fortunate enough to visit during your career of burglary. I want to. We haven't really talked much about Ned's history, and so I want to like get into that a little bit. As long as we have this like solo scene, um, and I don't know how much thought you've given to this, but how 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 did Ned get into burglary? Um, I think Ned has he kind of saw himself as like a a Robin Hood, you know. Like almost like a treasure hunter, Ned just had the the physical gifts, the the mental gifts for th- for theft. Never anything armed robbery or anything like that. He was more of a, a cat burglar, sure, and and usually tried to steal things that had been stolen, so that he was stealing them from thieves. Um, and that's where a lot now, of the- I do want to address the fact that you have stolen, as so far, canonically, uh, an Oscar, I think, from Clooney. You have stolen uh, a Nerf gun prototype from the inventor of Nerfs. I don't know that necessarily they were thieves. Not exclusively. <laughs> okay. Robin maybe Hood. one, Maybe once or twice you stole something I, from thieves, and that's how you sleep at night. But most of the time, it is sort well, of... Well, I think he started off as just a flat-out burglar who liked to collect weird shit. Okay. 
but then I think he kind of saw there was an incident in his past where he saw that that was that was not good, and he basically had a life changing moment. Um, He had an incident where he just decided that this was not for him anymore. I do also want to drive home that the final burglary you ever did was Opry's house, which I don't I don't necessarily know that that was a an that, entirely altruistic heist. And we can get into that that you know maybe yeah. that that one was a a bad that, one. That <laughs> was that was uh, that's what I've been thinking. Would okay, that was like a nice opportunity, and so you kind of broke your own rules a little bit just to just to get the sweet score. Uh, okay, uh, we also haven't talked much about your partner, so let's like. I, I I don't know if you have any ideas as to like how the two of you met, but I have like kind of a scene that I think could be fun. Um, Go if you're for it. Cool with that. Okay. So if you don't have it. So I, I, you are, it's, it's a, it's a long time ago. I don't think, I don't think you're in like, you're not in West Virginia. I don't think you are. Uh, I mean, you, you tell me like, where was your, did you have like a base of operations for your uh, cat burglary operation or were you sort of all over the place? Um, it's, no, no, he just kind of traveled. He loved traveling okay. by by train, by rail, and never really had kind of a, a a lockdown, you know, base of operations or bivouac. Okay, um, let's say you're in Connecticut somewhere, okay, uh, in a, a a fairly rural part of Connecticut, uh, where uh, the the houses are nice and they are secluded. Uh, and you are in the middle of not like a huge hall, but like a safe hall, which I think for like a career burglar is kind of what you go for. It's not all about like the Ocean's Eleven million dollar getaways as much as it is like the the grind. Oh, I can do this and not get caught. Um, you're actually in the middle of a house that is being fumigated. Uh, and so the family is is not present. Um, there are some neighbors nearby uh but you are are inside this house that is inside a giant tent and you have a uh a a gas mask on that is protecting you from the the uh the bug spray that is is happening in this house and i think you can maybe even smell it a little bit inside the gas mask but it is uh, protecting you from uh from harm and as you're sort of poking around this house and just having a leisurely robbery um you turn a corner into an office and you see a figure uh, actually also robbing this this room of its valuables, and this figure turns towards you, and he's wearing a gas mask too, and the two of you are just kind of frozen in place as you run into another burglar in the middle of this scene of of your crime. Uh, what do you do? Um, pardon me, sir. Uh, I'm uh, I'm Larry. I'm with uh, Terminex. Uh, you're really not supposed to be in here while we're fumigating, while we're uh, clearing out uh, this this uh, residence. So you you probably need to uh, to leave immediately. Okay. Well, I'm uh, Bob from Pest Blasters Five Thousand, and you're not supposed. What are we doing? What are are we both going to pretend then that we're we're both in the in the trade of of killing bugs, or are we going to fess up? This is I I I have to admit I don't know the protocol here. This is uh this is unprecedented for me. Look, uh, there's obviously been some kind of advance scouting mistake. Uh, you obviously are uh, well entrenched here. Why don't I just um, why don't I just leave you to it and let you get about whatever the hell it is that 
that you're doing, and I will find another place to, quote-unquote, get rid of vermin. He says, uh, uh, all right there, Larry. Um, that's, I mean, that works for me. I've scouted this place out for quite some time and uh, need, I'm in a little cash light right now, so I could use the, um, and through the tent, you can see uh, through the windows, it's like this big uh, red and yellow, like circus tent almost. You see uh, lights flashing uh, against the side of the tent, uh, blue and, and red lights. And uh, you know that there are police officers outside. And Bob says, uh, well, uh, Larry, um, it seems like we're well and proper fucked, huh? Yes. Um, but uh, do you uh, know of any uh, perhaps back door to the house or root cellar or anything so we could get unfucked by leaving? Uh, he, he just starts moving at this point because, uh, you, you hear officers start approaching the front door and start trying to figure out how to like get through this, this bug tent. Uh, and he runs to, uh, the back door and tries to open it and sees that the, the tent is sort of surrounding it also, uh, and then runs to a basement door, which he, uh, tries to open, but, uh, finds it securely padlocked and he starts trying to kick it down and it's, it's not working. Please allow me. Do you mind? He steps back, and uh, uh, Bob allows you uh, access to the lock. I know I can do this. Uh, probably oh. act under pressure. Act under pressure? All right. Act under pressure. All right. So Is this, is this one of... Let's, let's establish this, though, because I, I don't think you have, like, a skill that's like... Oh, or you tell me, actually. I don't know... Um, well, there's your characters. Yeah, this is like your first time actually doing some burglary, even though it's in like a flashback. Uh, and the crooked, let's see, when you uh, break into a secure location, roll plus sharp. Uh, on a plus 10, pick three. On a seven to nine, pick two. You get in undetected. Uh, you get out undetected. You don't leave a mess. You find what you were after. So let's 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 do that. We've never done that role before. Uh, right. And we can say this this break into a secure location is like this this robbery. All right, I rolled a seven plus two sharp. Yeah. So that would be nine. nine. Uh, okay, pick two. You get in undetected. Uh, let's, I mean, let's take that one off the table. You you got in, I guess, undetected until you ran into another burglar in this place. Uh, you get out undetected. You don't leave a mess. You find what you were after. We get out undetected. Sure, and you get one more. You don't leave a mess. You find what you were after. Okay, find what you were after. Okay, I think that just means like, you get you get a sack of loot. <laughs> you you did you did very well uh, on this uh, on this robbery, and I, I think that Bob did too. Bob also has like a uh, a, uh, a satchel that he has uh, stuffed full of of stuff, and uh, you managed to get the basement door open and uh, run down the stairs. And uh, Bob turns on a, a flashlight. He actually has like a, a head mounted flashlight, uh, and uh, you see some stairs leading up to a cellar door that uh, is unsecured and unlocked and uh, Bob pushes it open and the two of you hop a fence and make it out okay um, I think actually Bob helps you up over the fence first it's a, it's a it's a very very tall fence and uh, you actually hear police officers coming around the uh, the side of this backyard that you're in and start opening up the gate that would out- allow them access so he's like moving quickly and actually lets you get up first which is maybe more noble than the average burglar uh and uh he uh he manages to skitter up the fence himself and the two of you manage to get off to safety and um 
after you've you've made it a certain distance, you uh, you come to like a hill uh, by the roadside where these police officers are, and uh, the two of you roll down it and uh, are, are sort of laying with your backs up against it, waiting for the uh, the police officers to leave. And uh, Bob takes off his mask. Uh, and what what's your what's your partner look like? I, we we also don't know his his name. I'm sort of leaving that up to you, unless you want to keep calling him Bob and Larry, which is fun. But it's also the Veggie Tales. Boyd Mosh is his name. M O S C H E. Boyd Mosh. Um, he's uh he's a, a big guy, like Michael Phelps, kind of tall. Um, you know, fairly athletic, and and just. A hard-looking guy. He he just he looks. You know what I mean? I mean, he looks like he looks like a badass. Okay, I, uh, we can we can leave it at that and just sort of leave the rest up to the uh, audience's imagination. He he takes off uh, his mask and you see this you know this this chiseled jaw, this like this uh, very very physical-looking dude uh, who uh, takes the mask off and like looks over at you and kind of like gives a like panicked like smile. Uh, and the two of you just kind of lay there quietly for a bit uh, until the uh, the the cars start to roll away. And uh, he, uh, he looks up and makes sure that the coast is clear. And he comes back down to you on the hill and gives you a thumbs up. And he says, uh, "I was a bit closer than I." Uh, I like to come to the uh, to the fuzz. Um, all right, you seem trustworthy, as trustworthy as we come. And he offers you a hand. He says, "Boyd Mosh." Hello, Boyd. Nice to meet you. My name is Arturo Copperthwaite. He shakes your hand and he laughs and he says, "No, it isn't." everybody this is griffin mcroy your dungeon master your best friend and your thirsty boy and i don't i don't mean that in the horny way i i mean i require fluid thank you for listening to the adventure zone amnesty this is episode 16 and uh i i hope you enjoyed it it was a very long recording uh and a very long edit so uh, i i hope you uh i hope you enjoyed it. i hope it turned out well and uh hey let's talk about some of our sponsors for this episode what do you say Hello, it's me, the internet's Travis McRoy. Yes, that's right. Powerful influencer, Travis McRoy. You know, people are always asking me, Travis, how did you become such a powerful influencer in the world? Well, I'll let you in on my secret. It's Squarespace. Yes, that's right. Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything, your products, content you create, or even your time. What what influencer doesn't do that? I ask you. I'll wait. That's right. None of them. They all do that, and you can do it with Squarespace. Okay, here's uh, just as an aside. You can also use Squarespace even if you're uh, not an influencer, um, and even if the idea of being an influencer uh, makes you throw up a little bit in your mouth. Don't worry. Squarespace is still useful. With Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. With Fluid Engine, a next-generation website design system from Squarespace, it's never been easier for anyone to unlock unbreakable creativity. Start with the best-in-class website template and customize every design detail with 
reimagined drag and drop technology for desktop or mobile. With Squarespace scheduling, clients can quickly view your availability and book their own reservations, appointments, or classes, and you can sell products on an online store. Whether you sell physical or digital products, Squarespace has the tools for you. So go to squarespace.com adventure for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code adventure to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have an aura frame here at our house and we primarily use it to show pictures of our kids and the fun stuff that we do. And my favorite thing about it is that it's so easy to upload pictures on that as soon as we get home from doing something fun, we just immediately put the pictures up there so we don't forget to do it. You know, because I, I've tried, we try to do picture frames and stuff in the past, and then we never remember to put them on. But with Aura, it's so easy to load it up that it has become kind of a, a digital scrapbook more than anything else. So if you have been looking to get the pictures that are trapped in your phone and set them free in a way that other people can see them, might I recommend Aura Frames. They're stylish, they're easy to use, you're gonna love it. And it was named the number one digital picture frame by Wirecutter, and for a good reason. It's so easy to set up, and they have different frame options, all kinds. And the best part is it comes with unlimited storage. So, right now you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frames with code ADVENTURE. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com, promo code ADVENTURE. Terms and conditions apply. Chicago, we're coming to you. We're coming for you. We're coming at you. And we're also coming to C2E2, and we're doing live shows, all a bunch of stuff in April. April 24th, we're going to be doing My Brother, My Brother and Me, which is nearly sold out, and Taz, which is selling out fast. So do not wait. April 25th is Taz. April 24th is My Brother, My Brother and Me. April 26th through the 28th, we're doing C2E2 schedule to be announced. You can get your C2E2 badges now, but you do not need a badge to attend the live shows. Tickets for those shows are on sale at bit.ly slash Tours. All the information is there. Go check it out. Also, we've got a newsletter in case you've been wondering what's the best way to keep up with our new tour dates and announcements and stuff like that. Go to bit.ly slash newsletter. And of course, check out all the merch over at macroymerch.com. A lot of great stuff. Fungalore sticker pack, um, naming of the year poster. Uh, we've got the little Sailor Man pin. And 10% of all proceeds this month go to the Foundation for Black Women's Wellness. So go check it out, macroymerch.com. And now, back to the show. Got a couple Jumbotrons here. This one is for Matthew, and it's from Nate, who says, Hey, Matthew, I can't believe we've been together for 10 years already. I'm not sure when this would air, so I hope you have a fantastic day, slash vacation, slash birthday, slash anniversary, slash pride, slash anything. Love, Freckles, Olivia, and your very gay husband, Nate. What if all of those fell on the same fucking day? Can you even imagine the hullabaloo of your vacation, birthday, anniversary, pride, anything day? Out of control. I love it. I have another one here, and this one's for Billy and Janelle, and it's from Joe, who says, Billy and Janelle, congratulations on your engagement. While the gemstone on your ring may not be a lens through which to view other worlds, it is, try it, uh, it is something of far greater significance, a symbol of the love you share. We are certain that you'll spend the rest of your lives together in great joy alongside the world's second best dog, Gaston. Your comrades, oh shit! Your dog got burnt up apply this ice directly to the burned part of your body where this sick dog burn just got you 
I want to thank everybody who's been tweeting about the show using the the Zonecast hashtag. If you do that, you might end up as a character on the show, like uh, Janelle, named for uh, Curzy Art on Twitter, maybe Crazy Art. Uh, Woodbridge, named for Chris Woodbridge uh, on Twitter. Agent Stern, named for Joseph Stern on Twitter. Uh, yeah, if you uh, if you tweet about the show using the, the Zonecast hashtag, you might end up as a character. But really, we just appreciate you spreading the word. It, it, it means a lot, and it is how we have found uh, most of the, the audience that we have right now. So we're very appreciative of, of you all uh, telling people who you think might be into hearing people play role-playing games for a while. I want to thank Maximum Fun for having us on the network. You can go to MaximumFun.org, check out all the great shows there. Uh, they got shows like uh, Titan Fights and Switchblade Sisters and Judge John Hodgman and so many shows at MaximumFun.org. We have other stuff at McElroyShows.com. We got a graphic novel you can check out at TheAdventureZoneComic.com. All right, that's it. I'm going to let you get back to the rest of the episode. Uh, we will be back in two Thursdays uh, with a, a new episode to, to treat and, and entice you. That's a super gross way to put that, but I'm stalling because the calendar is taking a while to load because I can't add 4 and 14. But if I could, I would tell you that October the 18th is when the next episode's going to come out. So ha- have, have it. Bye. So, Aubrey, you have headed to Sylvain. Um, I think that... It, it, let's let's address this. Have you been back to visit Janelle and, like, do your magic lessons? It's been a couple of months now since you were sort of first introduced to, to the world of Sylvain, and Janelle sort of told you to, to come back, and she, she, she wants to study you just as much as you want to learn from her. Um, how, is this the first time that that has happened, or have you done this a couple times now? I, I would say that, like... It's probably happened a couple times, um, but very like cursory check in, no big advancements or anything along those lines. Like, think if we're talking in terms of like Karate Kid, this is still like the paint defense, wash the car kind of thing. And not, yeah, or yeah. or to or to like put it in the terms that we've already established, like she has studied you. And you have not learned anything from her, which is probably yeah. frustrating. She's like, okay, do your thing, do your thing, do your thing. Uh, I, I want to test your your natural aptitude before we actually get into the... And, and maybe you've started to think, like, maybe she can't teach me anything, which is probably uh, very frustrating to, like, be able to use magic and not trust this person is going to be able to help you Im- improve it or make it safer. Um you are so you're in, in in her chambers, sort of in the um, in the in the castle, in the uh, the center of the city, um, and th- this room is is it is incredibly Spartan. Uh, there is just a single desk in the middle of the room with a, a single book and a, a cup of tea uh, on the desk. She keeps things like super simple in here so she can focus absolutely on like the text that she is studying at any given time. Um, and as you enter, she. Um, she gestures to sort of a, a large clearing in the room where there is a, a big circular rug laid out, and she uh, has had you sort of stand in the middle of that uh, each each time you've come in. And she says, Okay, Aubrey, um, it's been a couple of weeks now, and let's see how things are coming along. No. I I don't think she has any patience for this shit whatsoever. She, like... This is a this is a a person who like 
is responsible for discovering the magical cure that will save this world. As soon as you say no, she says, okay. And she stands up and walks over to her desk. You don't, you don't understand. Can I, can we talk for a second? Uh, She sets her book back down on the, uh, on the desk and she sits down uh, in this, this rotating chair at the desk, which she rotates around to face you as you, you stand in the center of this rug. And she says, okay, but I only have a, a few moments. What would you like to talk about? When I use magic, people keep getting hurt. And I, can you make it, can you please take the magic away, please? <laughs> I don't want to do it anymore. I can't control it. And I just end up hurting people that I love. And I don't, I don't want to do it anymore, please. In all of her years of doing this, I don't actually know how long she's been the Minister of the Arcane, but she's been like, she has known how magic has worked in this world for a while and been a tutor to many, many people in its ways. Uh, she is taken aback by this question. You get the impression nobody has ever asked for this before. Um, and I'm trying to decide if, how, how she takes it because you've actually caught me off guard uh, quite a bit. And she says... Aubrey, I apologize. I have perhaps spent too much of our time together learning from you without imparting my own wisdom to to you. And and for that, I, I, I believe I have wronged you. I need you to understand, though, I cannot take your power away from you, Aubrey, because it doesn't belong to you. It doesn't come from you. Do you want to know where this magic comes from? Yes. What does it feel like when you conjure the phenomena that you conjure? I mean, it's hard to describe, but you know, you know how like when you get tickled and you laugh and you don't really laugh on purpose and but it it feels right and natural to do but you're not really thinking like laugh now it's it, you're not reacting to a joke it's just the 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 outcome like i can't think like i would like to make fire now but it's there when the, it's the right reaction to have it, it does it, does this make any sense uh she stands up from her desk and um uh, walks over to this uh, this pot and small ceramic cup, and she pours you a, a cup of tea and walks over to you and hands it to you. And this is more this is already way more warmth than Janelle has has ever shown you. Uh, and she says, "It is a reflex." Yeah, yeah, like that. That is not how it is for me at all. But that is that is what is so fascinating about you, Aubrey. And I know that it must be frustrating your mistakes that you have made with your magic, but. These kinds of mistakes are to be expected. Obviously, yours have been maybe a, a bit more destructive than most, but your magic doesn't work the same way as everybody else's. She pulls out a... Uh, she, she can see you getting frustrated, and she says, let's, let's start with, with brass tacks. And she walks over to a shelf and, and pulls out a, a scroll, which she unfurls on her desk, and she kind of beckons you over off, off your, your training rug. 
which is, I think, something you use to, like, kennel break dogs. So maybe there's a different word for it. Um, and she gestures to this, this, this parchment, and you see a map of the planet Sylvain. And there are these lines that like crisscross the entirety of the map, almost like uh, parallels and, and meridians on an, on an earth map, but they all connect uh, in the middle, not in like the middle of the depicted surface of the planet, but like in the center of the planet. And she says, I cannot take your power away because it is not yours. It is the planets. Every planet, Aubrey, ours, yours, all the planets in the sky are living beings. And I don't mean that in a new age kind of way. I mean that quite literally. It is a living, sentient being. We named ours Sylvain. You named yours Earth. They likely have names far more ancient than those, but we need to call them something. And like you've figured out, magic doesn't work like it does in your, your stories. You don't cast fireball when you want to summon a fireball. When we use magic, we're not channeling some energy from within ourselves. We are beseeching the planet to change itself, to meet our needs. Improving your magic, Aubrey, making your magic safer, is simply a process of learning how to ask for that power more specifically. It's, it's to become a better conversationalist. I'm trying. I, it's hard for me. I'm not, as you know, I'm not a good listener. I, are there other types of magic besides just, like, the fireballs? You know, the, I, 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 can you teach me how to heal? There is no healing magic, Aubrey. Just as there is no fireball magic, there is no earthquake magic. You ask for healing and... If you ask correctly and your voice is heard, the planet will heal. You, you, you are thinking of this power as something that you master, these specific channels of. It is not like that. You can do anything, Aubrey, as long as you ask for it and as long as the planet abides. But where I struggle to teach you, Aubrey, is that that reflexive magic that you use, it is not like ours. Our magic is so much more difficult, which may be frustrating for you to hear, but there are those who train for decades, centuries even, Aubrey, and can't produce any more than a candle flame. What you have done so quickly, this, this magic that comes as second nature to you, it is unique among any creature who has ever walked the either of our planets before you. But why? I don't deserve it. I can't use it. I hurt people. I don't want to hurt people anymore. Then don't, she says. I don't know how to put it to you any clearer than that. I, uh, she, she gestures for you to actually sit down on the chair. She sees you, like, getting upset. The reason you have been hurting people, Aubrey, is because you don't understand what you are capable of. It is a kind of doubt. And I know it doesn't work like this. I don't have, perhaps, the best people skills. I know you can't just tell a person not to doubt anymore. But that doubt has kept you from knowing your full potential, Aubrey. It has not allowed you to learn the difference between burning flame and a, a, a healing, warming flame. You have to lean into this power, Aubrey. If anything else, walking away is not going to do you any good. A dull knife is far, far more dangerous than a sharp one. 
Does any of this make sense? Yes, but it doesn't change the fact that I'm afraid. She smiles, actually, when you say that, and she says, <laughs> Now that is one thing that I do understand. And she um, walks over to the window of this room and opens it, and um, op- op- opens the curtain in front of it, and gestures outside, and you see the courtyard outside of the castle with, uh, with that, that big orange crystal and uh, the line of sylvans waiting to receive their allotment of power from it. And she, uh, she gestures towards this scene, and she says, What do you see? When you look out there, I see a, a crystal that I'm not allowed to touch. <laughs> she smiles. She says, "That is the last hope of a people who have yet to realize that the land that they walk on is dying. It scares the hell out of me, Aubrey. There are those who believe that the centuries of assaults on our world from yours has left Sylvain weakened and unable to support the life." that clings to her surface. There are those who believe her affliction is terminal, that the planet is dying, that the corruption that lies beyond our city's gates is just one of many symptoms that accompany the sunsetting of our world. Or maybe it's already dead. Maybe we're just siphoning the last bit of warmth from... And you you hear someone clear their throat by the entrance to Janelle's chambers, and uh, as you look towards it, you see the young girl who uh, greeted you on your first visit to Sylvain, the interpreter, the, the sort of unofficial ruler of this land. And uh, Janelle just bows quickly as uh, you, you can kind of tell she's embarrassed that the interpreter walked in during her, you know, talking about the end of the world. Um, and uh, the interpreter says, I apologize for my intrusion, Miss Janelle. Uh, Woodbridge seeks audience with you in my chambers. She, he he has an adjustment to our rationing that requires approval of the full council. And Janelle turns back to you, Aubrey, and says, uh, Aubrey, I know you're scared. But that fear, that fear is the reason your powers are as unpredictable as they are. You need to trust yourself, Aubrey. Um, she actually takes your hands and she says, you're unlike anyone I've ever met. Your powers, your powers rival my own, Aubrey. And you have been doing this for approximately 15 minutes. If I had what you had, I know I would have fixed this kingdom a long time ago. Your power is rare, and I know it is scary, but it is a, a beast you must tame for the sake of both of our worlds. I'll try. And she nods, and... Uh, walks out of the room, and the interpreter uh, turns back to face you and gives you a, a little bow, and she says, Again, my sincere apologies. I wish she'd stop coming here. It's her world's fault that Sylvain's dying in the first place. And the words you just heard did not match up to the mouth movements that she made. Uh, you get the impression that she actually asked you a, a question with the words she was speaking, and she is waiting on a response. I'm sorry? I... I said, do you need an escort? To- She's just as bad as the rest of them. She's just taking what she wants with no concern for our people. Uh, a- a- escort, back to the... Is everything okay? E- yes, everything's okay. I just... God, she can't even pay attention for a moment, even in the presence of royalty. Uh, and I-, I think with that, she just kind of smiles and-, and nods, and you get the impression that she just said bye to you in, in some way with her... Mouth words, and she starts to leave. Okay, bye. 
and she <laughs> walks out of the room. Uh, I think you find your own way out of the castle, and um, as you sort of walk to the uh, walk through the the big double doors leading out of the castle, the the serenity of this entry hall is uh, shattered by the ringing of alarm bells in the distance, uh, off to the west by this by this huge wall that surrounds the city, sort of protecting it from the darkness beyond. Uh, and suddenly, like all of the soldiers in in here in the entry hall, rush out, um, and you see the courtyard evacuated as the guards out there also rush towards the sound of these bells, uh, and the, the people waiting in line. Uh, are, are scared and f- so frustrated that their wait has been uh, interrupted. They, they clear out too. Uh, and a couple of guards like rush by you and they say, uh, you, you know, they, they tell you to get to safety um, because there is something trying to break through the wall at the edge of the city. And you are in the courtyard alone. I would like to touch the crystal now, Griffin. <laughs> uh, why don't you act under pressure for me? Tell, tell me what, what, how, how are you touching the crystal? And like, so lightly, just like, because on one hand, okay, let me explain myself. On the one hand, like, Aubrey knows she's not supposed to. And like, after the kindness Janelle has just shown, doesn't want to like, you know, ruin anything. But on the other hand, I think she really has it in her head that interacting with the crystal in some way is going to like, recalibrate her power or that it, it's some something will unlock or it's something she's supposed to I do. love that I love that I and I'm not saying that like I love that not because like I'm saying you're correct you've solved my crystal puzzle but I just love the idea that Aubrey is like if I just touch the crystal I'll be able to do magic again okay yeah are you just sort of rushing up to it are you trying to like are you are you proceeding with caution Yes, definitely caution, and, like, she's just gonna, like, touch it with one finger, um, and as she does, she says, I'm sorry, uh, and then touches it. So I roll the six, and my act under pressure, oh, I don't get any pluses, but I'm gonna use luck, because this is You are important. burning through that luck, my man. I've only used three. Okay, um, so that, that bumps you up to a 12. Correct, which yeah. is you do what you set out to accomplish, which means you touch the crystal, Un unbothered. Um, okay. As you reach toward the crystal, like just as you the the skin of your finger makes contact with it, it pulls in your whole hand. Your whole hand is now on the surface of the, this crystal. Both of them are are pulled to its surface almost magnetically. Um, you you feel Aubrey. You feel like all of the moisture in your body is being pulled out through your palms. Um, you can't breathe um, because you're convinced. Like in this moment, there is nothing to breathe. You feel your consciousness like falling away from you, almost like you were just pushed down a well, and the world is getting much, 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 much farther away. Uh, the prevailing feeling that you have right now in this moment is one of absolute certainty that you are dying as you touch this thing. Um, and eventually you push backwards off of the crystal and you fall back away from it. And as you fall, you haven't taken any harm uh, from from this, this thing that just happened as you touched the crystal, uh, which is the good news. Uh, as you fall, you land in a flower bed. 
It is a it is a bed of these beautiful wildflowers, just blooms of reds and whites uh, and yellows and, and dark purples, all surrounding this crystal um, spreading across uh, uh, just a huge swath of the courtyard. Uh, and they were not there a moment ago. They look beautiful. Uh, it's kind of hard to appreciate them because you, you do kind of feel like dog shit a little bit. Uh, and as you sit up from these flowers, you catch a glimpse of yourself in the crystal. Um, you're, you're sweating up a storm. You look, you look and feel a, a little feverish. There's one detail that really stands out. Um, what, what color are Aubrey's eyes? Uh, they are brown. Okay. But like, you know, kind of like a, like, just like a pretty light. Okay. You know. Uh, Oh. Like a hazel, maybe? sure. Um, is, is hazel brown? I have no, I, I have know. no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, uh, your left eye is that color. Your right eye is now this dark orange hue, with like a starburst of lighter orange just around the uh, the, the pupil. Um, and you catch a glimpse of your of your new eye color in just this this one large smooth facet of the crystal and its new tint is nearly fading away in the gemstone's brilliant orange expanse. It is the following morning and the three of you have regrouped back in the the Pine Guard HQ underneath the um underneath the the Amnesty Lodge. Um Doc, what have you what have you done with the goat man? I think the goat man has been has been stabilized, and you sort of kept kept vigil throughout the night. And uh, he he seems to be okay. He had a little fever actually, uh, sort of in the uh, the the early hours of the morning, but it has broken. Uh, he is still unconscious. And uh, do you just have him sort of loose still, sort of just like out on the table? He is handcuffed to the table. Okay. Uh, can't be too careful. The door to the uh, uh, infirmary is. Oh, oh man! Oh, okay. No. Yeah. Woo. Yeah, he did it. And there's a big sign out says says like, "Caution, bird flu," or something. Yeah, it says that. <laughs> it says that. It says caution, bird flu. Uh, okay, so nobody, nobody, caution, bird flu inside. I mean, it's kind of spelled out like the walk. Okay, I like that. Um, are you trying to keep this thing secret from your, from Ned and Aubrey, or uh, what's what's like your? Because I don't want to. I didn't imagine like the infirmary being. No, its they can know about it. Okay. I'm just trying to keep. I don't want it to be like a. I don't want to have to like discuss this with everybody in Amnesty. Okay. All right. I mean, let's have that scene of you sort of revealing your your new friend. All right. Y'all come come to the infirmary for a second. I wanna I wanna show you something. What and get bird flu? I n- yeah, it's a clever ruse. Um, infirmary. Okay, it. now I Welcome get it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, Griffin did did Aubrey's eye remain that? Oh yeah, color, baby. Or was that just a temporary? Oh yeah. Okay. She's wearing sunglasses for sure. Okay. So um, you're gonna feel some impulses to probably. Get your uh, get your dander up when we go in here. I need you to just keep it calm. I spent all fucking night trying to keep this thing alive, and then I open the door to it. Oh, yeah, a goat. Well, no, it's. I mean, you look at the legs; you can kind of see. Yeah, <gasps> it's Pan. No, it's, no, we're it's not Pan. crossing it's over. Not. There's no crossover here, <laughs> sir. 
No, there's no satir. There is no. There is nothing satirical about this creature. I had to go there. Oh well, I'm bringing you right back. Uh, um, yeah, duck. Yeah, is, um, who is this? Uh, I don't know. It doesn't speak uh, English or like human, as near as I can figure. And uh, I'm well, Beacon really almost cut its head off. And you can see it kind of jacked me up pretty bad. Um, uh huh. I think I'm healing okay. Oh yeah, you're totally fine. Harm. You're like, you're I'm fine. Your your one harm you had is is gone by this point. Um. Yeah. So I just I was hoping y'all would have some ideas about uh, idea ideas about the goat man. Yeah, like how to figure out its plan. Now that I'm saying it, it does sound pretty fucking dumb. Um, excuse me, Mr. Goatman. Um, could, what, hi. Yeah, I mean, we covered that no, no English or human tongues, as far as I know. Um, are you, right, the, uh, right, the, right. the Goatman is unconscious at this moment? If you, uh, are you trying to rouse it now to converse with it, Aubrey? I mean, that seems like step one. Okay. Um, it, it, Aubrey, it, it awakens. Ask him if his name is Mr. Tumnus. I won't be doing that, Ned. It uh, it awakens peacefully as you sort of rouse it, um, and it sits up and sees the handcuffs attached to its wrist. I think it tries to pull away just like once, and then it looks down, and then kind of just stares at the at the three of you with um, just sort of obvious curiosity. Uh, and hi, it it just looks at you. Aubrey is staring at you. My name is Aubrey. Hello. Are you okay? It doesn't respond. Have you tried feeding it? Yeah, I mean, it's had a fever, and I thought you were supposed to feed a cold starve fever. I thought that was it, but I couldn't remember. Can we say them? It's uh, like, it feels, I'm so sorry about them. Um, So, and Aubrey points to the wound. Are you feeling better? Does that hurt? It doesn't speak English. I mean, we can like, he points to, like, puts his hand on his wound and doesn't really know how to, like, respond or anything like that. But he saw you point to his wound and he reaches up and touches it and just puts his puts his hand back down. Okay, um, I'm gonna try something. And Aubrey closes her eyes and says, I would like to speak to this creature. Uh, okay, this is a, I'm guessing a use magic? What would this sort of, what category are you assuming this would fit under? Um, so there's actually part of use magic that is, uh, speak to, let me see where it is. Communicate uh, with something you do not share a language with, holy shit. There it Fucking is. Fucking holy damn. I've been waiting to use that shit this whole time. Right, so that's a seven. For five seconds. No, like, since I saw that on there. So it's a seven plus two, so a nine. All right. You choose the effect and the glitch, okay? Aubrey, you pick one of the following glitches. The effect is weakened. Uh, The effect is of short duration. You take one harm, ignore armor. The magic draws immediate unwelcome attention, uh, or it has a problematic side effect. Um, Oh, see, I want to say the effect is weakened. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, Here's what's happened. Uh, You touch the goat man. And Touch the Goat Man was the name of my first studio album. It was not well received. (laughs) 
touch the goat man. <laughs> you touch the goat man, Aubrey, and you make some magic. And it it actually does feel a little bit different than it has felt in the past. Ned and Duck, you see this this faint sort of orange light uh, just sort of pulsate out of where Aubrey touches this goat man. And the goat man sort of is, is a little scared of this at first and starts to pull away, but then just kind of like sits there for a bit and uh, just sort of takes takes the touch. And Aubrey, you pull your hand away and this, this goat man is now still looking at the three of you. I'm Aubrey. Uh, it sort of, now it's, now it's kind of scared again because <laughs> it just heard you say something. The goat man like yelps a couple of times. Just, just bleating, just, uh, and, uh, uh, looks, looks at you, duck. I think this, the, he's, he's sort of looking at all of you panic, but when it's, it's the most scared, it looks to you because you are the one who saved its life. And it, it, it definitely knows that. Aubrey, I don't mean to be judged, but it seems like your spill didn't quite take hold. And with that, the goat man stands up from the table and sort of gets yanked back by the handcuff attached to its wrist and looks at you, Duck, and he smiles and he says, <clears throat> Duck! MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Is there a dog in a car at a bar on the street? Yay! I'm Allegra Ringo, a small dog owner. My dog Pistachio howls when she's excited. And I'm Renee Culvert, a big dog owner. My dog Tugboat tips over when he's sleepy. And we co-host a podcast called Can I Pet Your Dog that airs every Tuesday. We bring you all things dog. Yes, dog news, dog tech, dogs we met this week. We also have pretty famous guests on butt legs. We're not going to let them talk about their projects. No. Just want to hear about those dogs. We don't want to hear about your stuff, only your dogs. So join us every Tuesday on Max Fun. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne, and justice is within your reach. My mom refuses to take my phone calls. My boyfriend says I should take our cats with me to graduate school, but I think he should keep them. In the court of Judge John Hodgman, justice rules. My partner's board game collection is out of control. My sister won't stop stealing my clothes. I'm Judge John Hodgman. I'm tough, but fair. fair. I'll bring you justice, and I'm only a click away. Tipping. Automotive etiquette. Siblings. Roommates. If you've got a case, go to MaximumFun.org slash JJHO. Judge John Hodgman is tough, but fair. fair. Subscribe to the podcast today. Judge John Hodgman rules. That is all.